0: This episode is brought to you by Stello Mints. As a dating and relationship coach, I see how anxiety and stress can sometimes sabotage people's success in their romantic lives. If you have been feeling more anxious lately, that's exactly what Stello Mints were made for. Powered by CBD, Stello Mints are a fast and simple way to feel more calm and clear-minded, throughout your day, and especially before a date with someone you like. And they come in three bold flavors, peppermint, lemon, and matcha. I got the lemon and they are delicious. And now for a limited time, you can get a free sample of Stella Mints. Just go to StellaMints.com and use the code LASTFIRSTDATE, all one word, and your order is going to be converted to a free sample. That's Stella, S-T-E-L-L-O, Mints coupon code last first date all one word, for a free sample. And now, back to the podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Wiener, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you want some support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book just for you, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. It's filled with 30 tips and stories and exercises designed to help you step more fully into your value. And you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And this week's tip from the book is step three, be playful. It is something we forget about I, very often when we're living our life and we're so serious and we're trying to date and then we bring the seriousness to dating. And it's it's one of the most off-putting things when you're going on a date and you can't just let loose, be present and be playful. So my my challenge to you this week is to really look for ways that you can be more playful in your life, whether it's in your dating life or your regular life, just laugh and have fun life is too short uh before i bring bill on i'm inviting you if you're not already a member to join our facebook group it's called your left birthday and this is a really highly uh, moderated group as opposed to most groups that are out there for single single women over 40 It is a group where we're we're interested in positive growth. I have moderators who moderate the group every single day, and we have really engaging posts. And so this is a unique place for you to go on your last first date to join us there. Bill is the author of The Girl with the Green Lipstick. He is an adventurer, an NPR radio host, He's an entrepreneur, a nonprofit board member, and a novelist, and he was a partner with the management consulting firm of McKinsey & Company before taking a senior marketing role with MasterCard in Australia for four years, and then he retired. He's also the proud father of a fabulous daughter and the grandfather of two wonderful grandchildren. Welcome to the show, Bill.
1: Thanks, Sandy. It's a real pleasure to be here. And what an introduction. Holy cow. I don't even (laughs) recognize that guy.
0: Well, it's impressive. And uh, I was very intrigued by the title of your book, The Girl with the Green Lipstick. I think just the whole idea of you falling for a woman who was toxic, emotionally um, dangerous. And uh, just tell us a little bit about the background and what motivated you to write the book.
1: Well, the um, uh, the background really is uh, I was married for 17 years together for 18 to the love of my life, um, my wife Carol. And in 2014 in June, uh, Friday the 13th, uh, she died of ovarian cancer after a long, three-and-a-half-year struggle uh, trying to defeat it. Um, It is one of those diseases that is fairly uh, extreme in in taking uh, victims. Uh, That is, there's not much of a survival rate. So at any rate, for 16 months after that, I continued to wear my wedding band because I felt married. I still felt married, unlike divorce, and I've been divorced once. where you know you sort of want to be out um, when your spouse dies of a dread disease, and you, your job one is to keep them alive until your job one is to try to keep them comfortable. Um, you you don't want to be out of that relationship. Um, you you really are trying your hardest to make it sustain. At any rate. Um, so I wore my wedding band and the wife of a friend of mine in the community. I live here in Santa Fe said, you need to get out there. You, you need to be dating. You need to find a woman. And in the last five weeks when Carol was quite terminally ill, we had a lot of time to say things to each other that were important. And, um, uh, she said to me, look, when I'm gone, I don't expect you to burn a candle in front of my picture every night. Uh, you're a healthy, normal male. Uh, you're fit. Um, I want you to um, have another relationship. And I said, well, thank you. That's a gift. But I don't even want to think about that right now. I just, you know, I, I can't even put my mind anywhere near that. Um so after 16 months, it, it felt right. I took my wedding band off. I joined an online dating site. And the first woman I met was the girl with the green lipstick. And uh, she was fun, uh, lively, sexy. Uh, did I mention sexy? Um, and uh, very attractive And uh, she sort of played hard to get uh, for several months. And uh, then we got together again and she told me she needed a job. And I said, well, I happen to have a retail store that needs a manager. I'll hire you. And I did. And when I told my attorney just in passing uh, that I had done that, my attorney said, "Mm, don't date her that's like a really bad idea and uh, so he didn't but I was around her all the time and eventually she became my general manager I had at the time five retail stores and um, so finally a couple of years later I said look let's let's try to do this let's you know try to be a couple make a real hit out of our retail operation and uh, work together and live together and and uh, so at any rate, she, um, I said, uh, we're gonna have to figure out how to move you from Albuquerque to Santa Fe, it's about 50 miles. She said, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not moving to Santa Fe. And I said, well, okay, I tell you what, I'll buy a house in Albuquerque and we'll split our time. We'll spend a few days a week in Albuquerque. We'll spend a few days a week in Santa Fe And we'll spend a few nights um, independent. I play tennis at night. She uh, was addicted to prescription pain medication. So she goes to NA meetings, Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And uh, I said, fine, you know, that I I think we can make this work out. And uh, shortly after I bought the house and moved her in, um, her antisocial behavior toward me turned terrible. And she moved her lover into my house. And uh, so (laughs) that was a little disconcerting. Um, So finally, after trying pretty hard to make this relationship work, and you know, you can't uh, tell your heart what your head knows. Uh, I mean, it's very difficult and I had really fallen hard for this woman and was trying to just persevere and, you know, push through to the other side. That's how I grew up. I mean, I've had some tough times in my life and you don't despair. You say, I'm going to just keep plugging. And when I get to the other side, it's going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be great and it usually works out that way. So, you know, I just thought, okay. And uh, she had said, uh, I think we need to see a marriage counselor. I said, okay, fine. And so I went online and I found a marriage counselor in Albuquerque. And the first words out of her mouth, when I told her, I found somebody to work with us. She said, who referred you to her? And you see, that's a trap, because if a friend had a friend of mine had referred me to this person, then she would say, well, they're on your team, they have your best interests at heart. And I said, look, I found her completely randomly online. And so I called this counselor and I said to her, "Um, you know, here's our situation. She said, "Okay, I normally start with one of you at a time. Why don't I start with you? So I went to the first session with this woman, and uh, I got about 40 minutes into it. She said, let me stop you. I said, okay. She said, this woman is horrible. You need to get rid of her. You need to call your attorney tomorrow. She is going to destroy you financially, emotionally. She will destroy you in every way she can. She is narcissistic, and she is probably a sociopath or possibly a psychopath. And I you know, I, I did a double take. You know I, um, that's not what I expected to hear, Doc. Uh, but I did call my attorney the next day because I'd really gotten the uh, uh, dose of cold water there. And uh, so we filed for divorce and uh, my wife, this the Carrie character in the book, um, filed a sexual discrimination suit against me. Now, There's no legal basis for a spouse to sue their other spouse for sexual discrimination, even if they work for them. Nonetheless, you're not prevented from filing a suit, which she did. So I went back to my attorney who had originally said, don't date this woman. And I said, look, she filed this suit. And she said, OK, we'll deal with it. She said, but you know what? Something isn't adding up do you mind if I do a background check on this woman? And I said, no, that's fine. A couple of days later, she called me, my attorney called me and said, "Uh, I think you need to come to my conference room. And I walked into their office, this law office in downtown Santa Fe, and there were 300 documents spread out on this conference table that were all uh, about this woman's criminal history. She's a repeat offender felon. She's been in prison four times for felonies, embezzlement, and credit card fraud. She's been in federal prison for uh, mail fraud. She um, was the um, office manager of a Lutheran church in a town here in New Mexico, and her primary responsibility was to count the Sunday collections basket. That just proved too tempting for her. And uh, so she started uh, taking money out of the out of the collections basket funds. And of course, you know, the pastor has been a pastor for 30 years. Nothing much has changed with his congregation. And so he knows approximately how much every week he's going to have in the basket. I mean, it doesn't change much. And as you might imagine. And so when it started being pretty light, he uh, started doing a little digging And sure as heck, uh, this woman got convicted of two more felonies, spent a year and a half in the uh, co-ed penitentiary here in New Mexico, and uh, got out, uh, married a guy uh, uh, who was 17 years her junior, and um, she uh, decided she didn't like that arrangement, so she uh, left him, didn't divorce him, but left him, and moved to Albuquerque. And uh, she neglected to tell the court that she was moving. And when her probation officer found out, uh, they sent her back to prison for 60 days to remind her who makes the rules. And then I met her. I met her about two weeks after she got out of uh, out of prison. Wow. And, uh, and then the rest of it is the story I just began to tell you.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing story. I, I There's so many things that are, it's, easy to understand um so i have empathy for you i i do i know that when you're in a vulnerable state you can do things that you would never do if you were in a good place that you you're not thinking rationally you believe people you're also a person who trusts easily and i see this very e- commonly with my clients who have gotten into relationships like this where you know you're you're especially when you're widowed. I, I have a client right now who's widowed about two years, I think, and she's having such a hard time even thinking about moving on, but she hired me because she wants love again and doesn't really trust herself to be able to make these choices on her own. And I think we, we often, Can't you know we we fall into relationships uh, maybe not at this extreme level? And you didn't know all this obviously until you had the background check done. But um, people like this are charming, they they pull in people who are vulnerable, they uh they prey on people who are kind and um not suspicious and you know generous and
1: you know are are willing to be giving and uh. As I say, I, I, you know, I had a kind of a hard scrabble life growing up, and so you just you learn to persevere, you learn to work through adversity, and let me say three things about what you just commented on. One, you're probably familiar with a thing called the Stockholm syndrome, mm-hmm. where captives fall in love with their captors, and I call that in the book the carry effect because. I simply couldn't explain otherwise. Why? I mean, I one of my counselors, I had two that I was working with, in the the marriage counselor and somebody else, said to me, "Why do you put up with this from your from your wife? She's not making an effort at all to try to keep this marriage going." And I said, "You know, doc, I I really can't explain that." Um and I referred to the Stockholm syndrome, just saying, she's got me, she's captured me. And I don't know what to what to say about that. The second thing I would say is when I got divorced from my first wife, the mother of my daughter, uh, I worked with a counselor three days a week. And he said, there's only one thing we owe to ourselves. And I said, what's that? He said, complete honesty. And I said, wow. He said, you're not an authentic person if you can't be honest with yourself. And during this whole period of my relationship with the Carrie character, I was uh, suspending my disbelief and not being honest with myself and, and couldn't really until I got slapped uh, uh, in a metaphorical way by my uh, marriage counselor, uh, finally woke up and said, holy cow, um, you know, this really is bad. If you look at it objectively. Uh, the third thing I would say is, uh, and I'll refer to the old movie, The Big Chill, and the Kevin Klein character and the Jeff Goldblum character having a conversation about what is the most important element of the human condition. And the Klein character says, that's easy, sex. And the Goldblum character says, no, rationalization. Klein character looks at him and says, what do you mean? And the Goldblum character says, have you ever gone a week without a rationalization? And so I was rationalizing my relationship and the things that were happening. I mean, imagine um, the morning after we got married, um, she slapped me and said uh marcus the marcus character in the book uh has always been more emotionally responsive to my needs than you ever were i mean we got married the day before and i said wow maybe you should have married marcos now he's about 15 years her junior he's a mexican national he's a handyman and um When I divorced her and forced them to leave my house, um, my next door neighbor came over. I had barely met her. And she said, hmm, are you the husband? And I said, well, I'm the ex-husband, but I'm the current owner of this house. And she said, well, I'm confused. There's been another man living here for several months. And I said, well, uh, yeah. And she said, you know, he came over and borrowed a ladder. and and went up and did something on the roof. Well, what we found were two 50 cent piece sized holes in the roof, which maximized water flow to the roof deck and the ceiling below. And so I had ceiling damage and black mold uh, in this house that I had to have repaired. And uh, then I sold the house and I said, you know, to the buyer, I said, uh, there was only one fixture. She got all the furniture, but there was only one fixture she wanted. And it was in the master bedroom. It was a ceiling fan with a light. So I said, do me a favor. Just check the new one that was installed by the boyfriend, because I don't know that he's a qualified electrician, and I want to make sure it's okay." So my buyer uh, got on a ladder, took the base plate off the uh, ceiling fan, and found an incendiary device. And the only reason it didn't burn the house down is because one wire somehow became disconnected when they were putting the base plate back on. And uh, so, uh, you know, the antisocial behavior, I mean, it was, it, the first thought was, we're going to just damage the roof and the ceiling and everything else. Uh, and that wasn't quite enough for her. And so they put this bomb, if you will, in a ceiling fan. And if I'd thrown a switch to turn it on and it was connected, it would have burned the house down.
0: Oh, my God. Thank you. I, and I understand rationalizing too. I think we do it in both directions. We can be so optimistic about somebody that we only see the good and we can also look at people and only see the bad. That's right. And so we have to find that happy medium. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, how you went to therapy, like, you know, how did you recover from this like complete mess? I mean, it's, it's almost like I imagine there was so much emotional damage that, you know, you, your trust was ruined. You don't, how do you trust again? How do you ever date again? How did you heal?
1: Well, um, and I'm still healing, I would say. Um, but there are a couple of things. One is to go back to uh, what George DeLeon, the counselor in New York that I worked with, and be totally honest with yourself really say, here's what's actually happening. And that's important and uh, it's, it's hard to do. Uh, the other thing is I read quite a bit. Uh, there are a series of books by a guy whose last name is Tudor, T-U-D-O-R, who is a diagnosed narcissist and he's written several books about narcissistic behavior. Uh, one is called <clears throat> Evil and another is called Zero Contact. And I started reading at the recommendation of a counselor that I was working with, the book entitled Evil. And I, I mean, I was started shaking. I just couldn't believe how spot on what this fellow was describing is what this woman that I'd been with had been doing. And what you have to realize is what you thought you loved is a fiction. It, it doesn't exist. Um, her emotional response to you is invented right. and so you, you 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 can't love that I mean that's a chimera and uh, so I uh, you have to kind of wrap your head around that The other part you have to wrap your head around is she she embezzled probably two fifty thousand dollars from my operation and uh, my retail store operation. Um, she had at least one lover the entire time we were involved and, um, and married at one, she moved into my house. So, um, you, you kind of have to be angry about that. You have to get some anger. And the last thing was I'd start telling people what had happened and their initial reaction is holy cow. And then you keep telling them and they go, oh my God, And then you keep telling them what happened and they say, you're making this up. And so then they say, you really need to write a book. And it was therapeutic to write the book. Um, It was, you know, you can, you can make her as evil as you want uh, because it's fiction. And uh, you, uh, there were things she told me about herself. And uh, once you realize that, Psychopaths are um, born, generally speaking. That's the theory. I know there are some people that believe psychopaths are made, uh, but uh, I think it's kind of a blend. But I think they have to have the wiring, the initial wiring. And uh, she clearly did. She exhibited um, sexually promiscuous behaviors at a young age. Um, She was sadistic. That's another element of psychopathy. Uh, And I'm not a clinician, but I uh, read a book by a guy named Robert Hare, and he is a clinician. And he found that when he would be describing behaviors of a client to another clinician, the other clinician would say, well, I think my client is a psychopath as well, but they exhibit some of the behaviors you've described, uh, but not all. And they have other behaviors that you haven't described. And so what they realized is they didn't have a scale for judging where on the sociopath-psychopath scale clients fell. And so they developed one. And uh, But the other thing Hare says in his book is it's important to realize that a very small percentage of the population are probably on this spectrum. However, that's still millions of people And I have to tell you, I tell my story and three out of 10 stop me and say, oh, my God, that happened to my brother, that happened to my son, that happened to my sister, uh, that happened to my best friend. And a lot of these relationships have gone on for years and years, tens of years. And, you know, the, the victim puts up with the bad behavior right in front of them. Oh, yeah. And I was lucky to get out after seven months.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, and and as I say, I'm still healing, but I will never, ever uh, trust an online dating site ever again. In fact, I'm working with a uh, matchmaker here in Santa Fe. She's quite capable and has introduced me to some very nice gals. And uh, so I'm hopeful. Oh, good.
0: Good. Well, I, uh, I dated a guy a long time ago who had a lot of narcissistic, um, I don't diagnose cause I'm not a diagnostician, but he definitely displayed very narcissistic personality traits. And what was interesting was his wife, his ex-wife knew about him having affairs throughout the marriage, you know, similar to what you're saying. And I got to know her because she was friends with a friend of mine and she was still in love with him. She She would have taken him back in a minute even though he treated her poorly. And I was able to see who he was really quickly, because I've been doing this a long time. And I I told him right away that I wasn't going to be fully involved with him because I knew he was dating other people. And he was fun. We had a lot of fun together. And that's why I dated him. But I said, you know, as soon as this isn't fun anymore, I'm leaving. And he did something that was not forgivable. And I walked away. And he was like, well, can't we be friends? And I said, you're not my friend. That's the problem. (laughs) You... (laughs)
1: <laughs> so this book right so this book zero contact by this fellow Tudor says if you want to be free and be real you have to have no contact whatsoever with that person who is a narcissist because okay. they will find a way to so this gal had a son who also worked for me he was going to the university of New Mexico in Albuquerque And uh, she said, well, I mean, we can be divorced, but you can still be friends with my son. And I said, no, I can't. Because you would find a way to work through him to get to me. And so I'm going to break it off with both of you. I mean, I used to play golf with the kid. He's a nice kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, sort of. Mm -hmm. Uh, I suspect he had something to do with his mother's criminal behavior. I don't know that. Uh, but it would be hard for him not to, given yeah. that they both worked for me. Uh, but nonetheless, um, the, the, the point of trying to be friends with a narcissist after you have uh, decided you're not going to date them is you can't. You cannot possibly have any contact with them. Yeah. And <clears throat> what's amazing to me is um, there's another thing. And these people are bad because they thrive on it. It's called fuel and they it it they need it. They need to walk in the air. She needed to be addicted to prescription pain medication and enjoy the fiction that she was not addicted, that she was over it. And she had two supposedly legal prescriptions for opioids. And I know she was getting more from her friends at N.A. Um, and basically the way she worked was guys like me were the people who provided her money and young guys, uh, who were kind of thugs, uh, from N.A. were the guys she, uh, used for sex. And, uh, so (laughs) it's a, it's a kind of a lethal combination there, but, but she needs that. That's, that's how she lives. She was so incensed that I managed to get her out of my house. I had to pay her some money. Uh, you know, it's a contract. Marriage is a contract. And I had in a sign of good faith, put her name on the deed, uh, shortly after I bought the house. And I said, I'm doing this and it's a gift to you because it's worth half the house basically. And, uh, I want you to know that I'm serious about our relationship. And then of course she promptly installed her lover in my house, but, um, the, uh, when I forced them out of the house, she was so angry about that, that she decided she was going to destroy it one way or another, either uh, water damage or fire or I think if she'd been able to, you know, put a, uh, uh, open the gas uh, vent and, you know, I light a match or something and blow the house up, she would have done that too. Uh, it, it, it was such an affront to her. Uh, the way she believed she should be able to live. And uh, so let me tell you a little bit about The Green Lipstick.
0: Yeah, tell me about The Green Lipstick. And before you do, I'm just curious how much of the book was, was true and how much was fiction?
1: Well, um, so clearly... Um, so here's the thing about having a, a an extensive criminal record. There are a lot of things in the public domain when you have that kind of a record uh, that you just can't imagine <laughs> the kind of stuff that gets described about you and your background and your history and everything else. Uh, so I had quite a bit of material from the background check. Um, however, there and there were things that she had told me that I, once I understood how psychopaths behave, I could kind of expand on, even though I don't know them to be true. So the early years, uh, what she had told me at one point was that she had been propositioned by the father of her first serious boyfriend. That is, I believe, the first boy she ever had sex with. Uh, The dad propositioned her. Now, I don't know that she actually took money for sex, but a psychopath might. And so I, uh, I kind of wove that out of something she had told me. Uh, I knew some things about her relationship with her brother, uh, the one that her parents had naturally after she had been adopted about a year later. Um, and she had been angry and sadistic <laughs> toward him because the parents really showed a preference for him. I mean, not I, I don't know how much, um, but at any rate... So that was all invented as well. The parts about my relationship with the Terry character and the parts about my relationship with the Carrie character up to our divorce uh, are largely true. The prison sequences are invented. uh, But I got to tell you, if you read the papers in New Mexico, uh, the prison gangs uh, are significant in this state. And uh, so I have to believe that this kind of thing goes on, particularly for an attractive uh, blonde, blue eyed gal uh, who is unlike what most of the inmates there look like. And uh, so um, and then the Daisy character, uh, a lot of that happened, but not to me. Uh, She uh, is a real person. And uh, someone she was involved with, uh, she did take a sledgehammer and uh, uh, knock the heck out of a car with it because she was upset. Uh, So uh, I would say roughly about half the book is true, uh, largely true, and about half is
0: invented. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited, you can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. Hmm.
1: So, the green lipstick.
0: Yes. Tell me about that.
1: So, the new owner of the house in Albuquerque has found the incendiary device. And one day uh, I get a call from his wife and she said, You won't believe this, but there's a box here from Ulta.com, the cosmetics place, um, and it's addressed to your ex-wife. And what had happened was my ex-wife had moved to Colorado where she lives now, and uh, she had forgotten to change the default delivery address on her Ulta.com account. And so the box got sent to the former residence. She said, what should I do with it? I said, well, open it up. I want to make sure she's not charging my credit cards or using the store cards to buy stuff. So she opens it up. I said, what did you find? And she said, well, there's a makeup brush and there's some blush. And then there's this frog green lipstick. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, look it up. So she gave me the name and I looked it up. And it goes on dark green, you apply it, it goes on dark green, and the pH in a woman's lips turns it bright pink. And so she had purchased it for the irony of going from the dark green to the bright pink, but she wanted the bright pink, of course. And uh, I thought, wow, that's a title for a book. (laughs) It's, uh, It's a good metaphor for who she was that's exactly right. A complete (laughs) chameleon, right? Looks one way. And then, uh, you know, there's a kind of a chemical reaction and then you realize (laughs) she's a completely different person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. It's definitely a catchy title. You're like, what's the green lipstick? Um, so you mentioned also that you are no longer trusting online dating. Um, and a lot of people, look, I, I guide people to date safely online, but you're done. You're, you're done with it. So you believe that as you get older, it becomes a harder thing to do, it becomes riskier. What what are your beliefs about online dating? Well,
1: I, um, I, I really do think that it is riskier. Um, and, um, you know, I... Uh, I reflect on people that I met. Uh, So what had happened, of course, was when I first started this relationship with the Carrie character and then decided to not date her because she worked for me, I was still online. So I started dating people that I met online or at least being in contact with them. And I have to say a high percentage were just scammers, just Mm -hmm. frauds. And uh, trying to somehow get money out of anyone, and um, the ones I actually met in person were largely uh, not whole people. I mean, not really complete individuals. And um, you know, you you uh, it, it it just made me leery. And the one I did meet and fall in love with, and married, and hired, and employed, and uh, she um, she started using the store debit cards to buy things through Amazon.com, and she would tell my accountant, "Oh, those are that's for printer paper, or that's for printer ink, or that's for uh, toilet paper, or whatever." And when we got divorced, we forced her to produce the actual receipts from Amazon. Out of 500 receipts that she produced, and that wasn't all the purchases through Amazon, that was one account out of five, um, 490 were for personal items, completely fraudulent. Um, Designer handbags, gift cards. um, You can take the gift card and sell it at a discounted price for cash, and then you can buy drugs. So um, you know she uh, she had this completely figured out, and uh, these uh, Google sheets that she would fill out and send to my accountant were totally wrong and made up uh, because we could match the amount from the receipt to what she had put on the Google sheet, and there was no correspondence whatsoever. They were all personal items. Makeup, um, bra pads, um, God, you name it. I mean, everything under the sun. And uh, stuff for her lover, you know, a wallet. You know, I'm like, okay. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's wild. And uh, so uh, my matchmaker lady uh, that I'm working with now is terrific. And uh, she's got a, uh, a lot of gals that she has nice relationships with and has introduced me to. And, and, you know, some go, I like them. They don't really care for me. Uh, they like me or, and I don't really care for them, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, but it is harder. I mean, cry me, I'm 67 and uh, you know, when I got, divorced from the mother of my daughter uh I was single for five years before I met Carol the love of my life and I thought well holy cow if it takes me another five years (laughs) to find someone I'm gonna be 70 years old you know I don't really want to go through that and uh so Julie my matchmaker lady is terrific and and uh I have high hopes um the other thing is um So my attorney and her team put together uh, 560 pages of evidence of crimes by my ex-wife, the Carrie character, and the Albuquerque uh, police are investigating it. And I have good reason to believe that uh, my ex-wife will go back to prison and serve a significant amount of time.
0: That would be helpful to all the other people. She could be doing the same thing that she did to you, too.
1: Well, say. and um, my daughter believes that given some things that I've told her about what she's doing in Colorado, my daughter thinks from her anti-money laundering experience that she may be laundering drug money. Mm. And uh, because she doesn't have a job. She lives in a furnished house. The rent is about $2,400 a month. Hmm. I can't imagine how she earns the kind of money she would need to pay, you just pay the rent if she doesn't have a job.
0: Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like she's. Uh, changed her ways and is suddenly doing things on the up and up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yes. and can
1: you imagine her applying for a job and somebody saying, well, what were you doing previously? Can I contact your former employer? <laughs> well, no. I sued him for <laughs> sexual harassment. You know, yeah. He was my husband. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I, You know, I think I think she would have a tough time getting a legitimate job. So yeah. uh,
0: I have no no, car- no character references there. Exactly. <laughs> so, Bill, you um, What are your final words of advice for anybody who wants to go on their last first date based on your experience? And it's, it's highly unusual, but I'd love to hear what you have to say.
1: Well, don't give up. I mean, I think I would say first, don't despair that there isn't somebody out there. I really believe there is. Um, And then I would say two words, background check. (laughs) So before you get seriously involved with somebody you really need to know who they are. And what I like about my matchmaker is she does all the vetting. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about it. Somebody she presents to me is somebody she and I both know are a real person and, and a good person. And you know it may or may not work out the way one would hope, but at least um, I know that there's not somebody else Lurking in the weeds behind the facade of what I'm seeing, and uh, it's it has uh, opened my eyes. Um, I'm not a cynic. Uh, I don't want to be cynical about relationships, um, and so I would say, don't give up. You know, keep keep at it. Keep trying. Uh, use whatever channels you are comfortable with. Um, online dating may work for other people. Um, I'm personally leery of it because of my experience, um, but I—if uh, if someone else is okay with it and they have a way of assuring themselves that the person they're getting involved with is who they say they are, um, then go for it. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying it's not for me, um, and so, um, but but keep at it. I mean, keep keep your heart positive and keep looking. And, uh, you know, I live with my dog, and she's great company. She doesn't laugh at many jokes, but uh, she's a uh, she's a terrific uh, friend. And uh, so who knows? But uh, I am hopeful that uh, I will at some point find the person for me out there. I love
0: it. I love that you still have hope and that you haven't given up. And I think it's an important message because things happen. You know, people have losses. They have uh, people who ghost them, who do bad things to them, and you know, it's important to be smart when you're dating. So, you know, you mentioned getting a background check. Uh, there are many, many ways that I've trained women to be smarter about how they go about dating because you know you don't want to trust somebody until you know them. Uh, I don't give out any private information until I know somebody is to be trusted. And I won't let somebody drive me, even though they insist or take me on a hike when I don't know who they are. You know, it's like, it's just, there's some things that are simple, simple common sense. And then there are other things where you get drawn in because somebody is charming and pulls you in there. So it's really important to keep your eyes open one of the working titles for my book that I was originally going to write was Eyes Wide Open, Legs Firmly Shut. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> just the minute you open those legs, you lose all sense of reason. So, oh, yeah. Uh,
1: and, yeah. and, uh, you know, as I say, did I mention that this gal that I got involved with was sexy? Right. And, you know, she, she knew exactly how to push the right buttons and how to, um, get a certain sexual here's what i have said Um, my relationship with this woman had the highest highs and the lowest lows of any relationship i have ever been in including both of my former wives and it was when it was good it was off the charts and when it was bad it was the same except in the wrong direction right and so you know, what you, what you crave is that high. You crave that good part and she knows it and she uses that. Right. <laughs> and so the uh, randomness of the good part, uh, you, you just, you're, you're just kind of like a dog watching, you know, you're hoping, you know, is the good part going to happen right now, right now? Yeah. You know? And, and, uh, nope. No. Okay. I'm, <laughs> right, I'm sorry. You know, and now, 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 is it going to happen? <laughs> no. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's you know, very, it's. I mean, it's. It's just one of those things.
0: It's crazy. And it's it is it really when is. you when you can't predict how somebody's going to behave when there are extreme highs and lows. It's so dysregulating to your whole emotional system, and at some point you stop craving that. You know, I've watched many people, including myself, where you know it's it's exciting. You want excitement, but you don't want to have unpredictability and walk on eggshells and and, you know, and feel really bad the times that you're not feeling really good. So Bill, thank you so much for sharing your story, this cautionary tale. Um, I love that you're still hopeful. You've given a lot of great advice to people. And um, if you can let us know how our audience can find you, that would be great.
1: Uh, You can go to Bill Saubert, that's spelled B-I-L-L-S-A-U-B-E-R-T.com. That's my website. There are four free chapters you can read of the book. You can also get either uh, the Kindle e-book or uh, paperback print-on-demand copy uh, through the Amazon Kindle platform. Uh, The book is uh, currently available in both forms. And... uh, But uh, you can also listen to some podcasts of the uh, NPR affiliate radio show that I do uh, by accessing on BillSaubert.com, the forum show. And there are about seven years of weekly podcasts uh, that you can listen to. It's a political radio show. And uh, we have both progressives and conservatives. And what I love is when... My most progressive and conservative panelists look at each other and say, "You know what? I agree with you." And mm-hmm. I go, "Hallelujah!" <laughs> Where's that in America these days? You know, yeah, right? <laughs> so, at any rate, but thank you again, Sandy. This has been a real pleasure, and I hope people read my book and get something out of it. And uh, it's uh, it was fun to write, and I, it's a it's a ripper. I got to tell you.
0: so everybody go out and get get bill's book and uh thank you for listening to our show and for being a fan and keeping us on air for over eight years and I beat you by or Bill. There you go. <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate every rating and review and subscription to our podcast, wherever you listen. Um, that's how we stay on air and continue to get wonderful guests like Bill. So thank you so much. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon.